Welcome to the Chasing Thoughts podcast. Chasing Thoughts was founded by strangers, two life coaches who met on TikTok and shared the desire to create a different kind of life coaching podcast. Instead of talking about how to do it right, the Chasing Thoughts podcast explores embracing our true essence to find a deeper sense of purpose and fulfillment. Life coaches Keith and Mindy take a unique approach that transcends popular notions of perpetual happiness and striving relentlessly to become one's ideal self. Listen in as Mindy, Keith, and their guests take a deep dive into their own minds and souls to investigate the beauty of imperfection, challenge their beliefs, and embrace the richness of living a truly authentic life. Hi, my name is Keith, and I'm a strategic interventionist and stoner-spirited life coach. Hi, my name is Mindy, and I am an authenticity empowerment coach. Welcome to Chasing Thoughts. Welcome to the Chasing Thoughts podcast. Today, we have Chris Bean with us. Chris commands the mats and the microphone. He is not just a martial arts instructor. He is a guide to unlocking your full potential. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Hello, Mindy. Happy to be here. So just to sort of get in in touch, let's just hear sort of your story. Tell us how you arrived being this human in this moment. Yeah, so I guess, you know, it all stems back to, we talked about the martial arts. I'm a martial arts instructor, and I have been training in martial arts since 1999. Uh, I've I've been teaching martial arts uh, for around about 20, uh, about 20 years, pretty close to it. And, uh, you know, that's, that's actually my first job and my only job I've really ever had. And I've just had such a passion for it and, and a love for the craft, the art. And for really the the more than just the kicks and punches, it's the it's the mental uh, fortitude, it's the personal development uh, journey that I get to go on myself. But then now as the instructor, I get to share those things with my students. And you know, unlike a traditional school teacher where I have my students for one year, you know, I have I have students that have started with me at three years old, and now you know now uh, that person is is one of my instructors. He's 19 years old. And, you know, it's, it's such a such a, a cool experience to be able to see that growth, that journey uh, for them to become who they are uh, moving forward. That is so cool. I can really see where that would be extremely rewarding. Yes. So I know this is a big question because obviously you can't just distill it down to one thing. But if you were to say, what is the biggest impact that martial arts has had on your life and your mindset? What would that be? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Well, you know, I would say that it is the, the intention of never ending improvement. And mm-hmm. so never being happy uh, where you are, but always seeking to better yourself, whether that be mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever it is, but always seeking further growth and development. Yeah, I think that's- I love that. Yeah, I love that too. And one of the things that I struggle with, so I'm curious what you have to say about this, Chris, is I was born a seeker. I've always been interested in personal growth and development for as long as I can remember this natural arising of wanting to be my best self. And then as I got older, I really had to bring in more peace and acceptance of who I was in the moment. 
And I think I wrestled to align those things, this constant striving and this complete acceptance of the present moment, right? Can you speak to that? Because I know martial arts also has a huge component of present moment. Yeah. So, you know, I always like to be in the present moment and, and you know, I, I've talked to lots of people um, and it seems like people nowadays are almost in the, in the modality of being able to check out. Everybody's on their phone or, the, you know, they're mentally not aware of where they are, what's going on around them. You know, you, you ask them, how many, how many red cars did you see on your drive-in? Say, oh man, I have no idea. I, you know, I probably saw some cars, but I don't remember. You know, you see people driving, they're on their phone as they're driving. Everybody's just mentally checked out. And so you're right, that martial arts aspect really has a, has a uh, opportunity to be present focused. And that's, you know, certainly something I, I strive to do. Uh, and one of the ways that I do that is I, don't do my phone. I don't bring my phone with me lots of times. My phone is, is, a, is a device that lives at my house unless I need it for, for photographs or something like that, then it stays with me. But otherwise I do my best to keep my phone at home. That allows me to stay further checked out of the social realm and more in the actual physical realm, which is where I would like to be at. I love that so much. And when clients come to me, building boundaries around electronics is one of the number one things we do because you can't make changes in your life if you're not present with the experience of your life, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I started leaving, not, I don't leave my phone at home like you do, which I admire, but I'll leave it in my car when I, you know, run into a store, run an errand. And at first when I started doing it, it was this very awkward feeling. And I'd be the only one standing in line looking around and everybody else, like you're saying, is looking down. <laughs> and it's really uh, kind of an awe-inspiring uh, experience because you recognize how checked out people are when you become present, especially in those very public locations. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about being in, in, in the line at the, you know, the checkout or whatever, and you have to fight that twitch or, or, you know, that tick that you have to pull the phone out and, and do what everybody else is doing. And I, you're right, that's a weird type of, uh, you know, space or moment to be in, but allows you to be present and to be aware of how, you know, really how checked out people are nowadays. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And I think that when we carve more present moments into our lives, then choice becomes easier, right? Because every moment we're choosing who we're going to be, what we're going to say, how we're going to show up, unless we're checked out, then we're just, you know, kind of riding along. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I remember like standing in lines at a supermarket as a kid and we would read all the magazines, you know, like the, the boy that was born half bat, half boy, you know, and, and now I even see ads where they, they're pushing like, Oh, I'll play this game when I'm standing in line at the supermarket. And I've always thought like, why do you need that constant, you know, entertainment that comes in? It's almost like if we're not constantly being bombarded with all these colors and everything, we just don't know what to do with ourselves anymore. Well, you know, I think that that speaks on people's almost desensitization to dopamine. And, and we're so oversaturated mm -hmm. with getting that instant hit of, of gratification, whether it's, you know, whatever it is that they're seeing from the screen. And I think that that really is what we are, you know, as civilization kind of are, trying to the, the need that that's trying to fill is that instant dopamine hit and you're right that's tough because people now have figured out that's where we are most on our phones or on our devices at and so they're they're targeting us in those moments to be able to get that dopamine hit 
which is where you know most of society lives. Yeah. Yeah, that's I can fair. almost see that pushing us more away from a community base into an individualistic base. And then with martial arts, I mean, there is that individual ind individualistic aspect to it, you know, practicing, but it's mainly a community um, that that bring, that comes together. So I, I, I love that. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. Yes. Yeah, I'd like to hear more about that community piece. I've never practiced martial arts, but I knew somebody who did. And I knew that her presence in the dojo and her stewardship of it was an important piece of that. So can you speak a little bit to what Keith brought up? Like, what is the individualistic sense and teachings of that? And what is the community teachings of martial arts? Yeah, certainly. So, you know, with the individualistic, it's not a team sport, meaning we don't, you know, you're you're together doing the same type of things, but you're not a team striving towards a common goal, which is you know kind of what a team sport would be. You're an individual striving to improve yourself, whether that be to get the next rank, to pass this test, or to, to win the, the, the trophy or whatever it is. But the community is you are there with like-minded individuals. I'm sure as, as life coaches, you have a uh, sense of connection between you and, and your the person that you're coaching. And then if you're uh, individuals that you're coaching get together, then they have that community aspect as well, because they're all coached by you. And so that's where that kind of that that community lives. And the nice thing is, too, when you when you work out with people and you sweat with people, when you beat up people and they get to beat you up, there's an extra kind of it's it's like a it's like a family atmosphere. If you think about, you know, especially boys do this more often than, than women do. But boys, you know, especially growing up, they're beating each other up. But that doesn't mean they have a necessarily a bad relationship. That is bonding for them. And, and I think that that really is the bonding aspect that brings in the community, not to mention again, that, you know, you're with those people for so long, it's not just for one year, but you, you, you know, with them for, for years and years to, again, always striving towards uh, seeking further uh, advancement for themselves, not necessarily in a team way, but as an individual to better succeed, uh, succeed for themselves. Yeah. What you mentioned competition and winning trophies. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Because I find this to be a very interesting um, topic. And my son is, well, he's almost 21 now. But throughout his growth, my husband and I often struggled with the everybody gets a trophy culture and the trophy for success culture and the competition culture, which can be healthy and also destructive comparing yourself so I'd love to hear more about how competition is viewed through the lens of martial arts. Yeah, so competition is interesting because it, it gives you an opportunity to kind of test your skills, so to say. You get to go and you get to compete against somebody else. And the interesting thing is I can do that with people I don't know, depending on the type of environment it is, or I can do that against people I do know. And depending on that environment, it, it plays out somehow, some, sometimes differently in the the way that you bring yourself to those is a little bit different versions. But, you know, generally, as you're there competing against those other people, you're right. Not everybody gets a trophy. The first place, second place, and third place, and it's the biggest, littlest, and smallest. And then you have an overall, lots of times, you know, the, the tournaments that, that have been to in the past, that they have an overall winner. So the person who got the most first places in, in, you know, the best, in the biggest categories of most overlapping or whatever, they get the biggest, biggest trophy. And striving towards that, and not always succeeding, I think is important because I think that failure is probably the biggest way to learn something. You can't learn if you're always achieving the things that you want to achieve, but it's by failure going through those tough times, you get to find out who you are 
and why do you actually want this? And then is this something you want to achieve for? And what can you do to strive to get that to, to be better for next time? Yeah, that is odd. I, that was going to be my question too. What role does failure play? Cause I, I, you know, I took karate when I was a kid. Now I tell people uh, I take it online with my uh, YouTube sensei, but, um, um, and, and, learning new things it was sometimes so frustrating especially when you're using you know uh, i think we had this thing called star block set like this is like so old you know but when you get two arms going i would end up punching myself in the face you know more often than than um blocking anything you know so failure has to play a big role but it's not failure in the sense of like let me beat myself up it's 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 a good thing yeah, you know, I think that the really the instructors get to push and pull on how that works, because if it's done in the right atmosphere, the right environment, I think that failure, like you said, is is important. But in, unfortunately, it can be taken incorrectly as well as if you are allowed to to dwell on that or, or, or to think that that is you as a person, as opposed to that event that happened. And that's a big dichotomy that you have to that you have to balance appropriately, that failure is something that happened to you, not who you are. And the instructors get to kind of set the role, set the stage so that that happens appropriately so you can learn from those mistakes and not dwell on those and count that as, as, your, as your personality from that on. Yeah. And, and as a leader, as an instructor, how, how, do, how, how, do, I mean, how important is that to you to ensure that your students are not taking it in the way that they shouldn't, but um, you know, but, but using it to motivate them to move forward. Like, do you have tactics that you used or is everybody sort of, you know, you got to deal with everybody individually? Well, yeah. So there's, there's certainly different tactics to use and, and, and everybody is different as well. But, you know, the, the way that we run our school is that if I have a student that's having a tough time getting something, it's not the student's fault. It's my fault. I didn't share that information in a way that they can better, better understand that. And then I tried this way and I tried this way and I, you know, I go through my path and if I run out, then I go to somebody else. I seek advice for somebody else. And if, you know, if, if they think, oh, well, let me just try. And then they get to try and they run through their path. And then somewhere along the line, eventually somebody is going to have the answer to help convey that information to them better. And it's not always that I didn't do it correctly. I just, I need to find the right way, the best way to convey that information to them so they can better understand it. That is, that is so amazing, especially the, the humbleness as, as an instructor, as that leader, you know, this is my school, you know, to be able to say, I'm going to step aside, not because I'm wrong or doing something, but because they might understand it in a different way where it clicks for them from somebody else that I think that just in itself takes a level of, of awareness and strength in a person, especially as a leader. Yeah, we like to we like to say we have a student first mindset at the school is that, you know, the students come first. And it's again, that goes to what you're speaking is it's not it's not about me, you know, doing the moves and, you know, I do the moves for, you know, so I can explain them and I can demonstrate them. But really, it's about the students. And again, if I can't convey that information to them in the best way that so that they can understand it, then I ask, ask help from somebody else so they can do it better. Or maybe that's even instead of me demonstrating the moves, I get another student to demonstrate the moves. And that does wonders because then it's not just me, the instructor, of course, I can do it. But if I can get one of their peers to do it, then that's even better for their confidence, for not only that person who gets to demonstrate, but for the other peers that are in class and say, oh, yeah, I can do this because one of my classmates can do that. Look at that. Hmm. 
What I really loved about what you just said was the level of responsibility that you took. And I think that that can be expanded into all areas of our lives. You're talking about it in a teacher-student role, but it's the same, say, in my marriage. If my husband doesn't know my needs or understand what I need, that's my responsibility, right? And it's my responsibility to keep saying it and finding different ways to say it until I'm heard. And I think a lot of us get caught up with blame or should or these concepts that block us instead of just going back to it's either ineffective or effective. And I am only limited by my creativity until I find that effective way to communicate with another person. Beautiful. I'm so yeah. glad you said that. Yeah, very good. I, I fully agree. Yes. So you've talked about how you have a school. Tell us a little bit more about your school. And then my next question is sort of, what are you doing online? And, and is that bleeding into online now? So share with us a little bit more about your business. Yeah, so I, I'm not the owner of the business. I'm, I'm the, the operations manager, sort of say. I'm the head instructor. So the owner is the owner. He takes care of the, the payroll, those kind of things, uh, marketing. And then I'm the person who's in charge of the, the way the classes are run, the information that we teach, how it's taught, the, the other instructors on the floor, the, the uh, office staff, all of those kind of things fall into my realm of, of responsibilities. And the nice thing about that is, the, so the owner was my instructor way, way back in the day. And, and the, the nice thing is that I, he gave me the opportunity to step in to become the person that I want to be. It wasn't about being a carbon copy of what he is, but I got to be my own self. And the cool thing about that is I was able to change and develop and, and shape and mold and prove the information that I got from him to better convey those things to the to the students. And so again, it's, it's all about being a student first. And so that with that in mind, there's lots of things where I'll see a hole and okay, what can we do to fix that hole? How can we fill it so that that, that doesn't happen to everybody else that goes through this? But unfortunately, it happened to that person. And I have to try to learn and iterate from there to learn and grow to improve so that doesn't happen for other other students or other other families or what have you. Yeah. And I'm most familiar with you with your online presence. So talk about how you're showing up online and what your mission is for your posts on Instagram and sort of your online presence. Yeah, so uh, th that is all stemming from my, my podcast. I'm a co-host on that where we have, it's, it's the prestigious initiative to plug that, sorry. Uh, but so on there, we talk about how to live a more prestigious life. And so my Instagram content, Instagram and threads and uh, TikTok now as well, but all of those, and, oh, and YouTube as well, sorry. Uh, but all those are small snippets of information to help to live a more prestigious life. And it's all, it, it is a lot of information I've received from my training as, you know, as a martial artist, as an instructor. But on top of that, now, you know, like, in school, I didn't like to read the books that was, were presented to us because they were, they were boring. They weren't, they weren't fun. But now I'm reading, like I, I read the last book. I, right now I'm reading Marcus Aurelius Meditations. The last book I read before that was um, Jordan Peterson Maps of Meaning, which is, which is a, an advanced level college textbook. Uh, very, very in-depth and thorough. And that is not at all something I would have chosen to read uh, soon after I got out of, of high school or even university. But now I, I, so, I, I sought that out to, to learn and grow in those areas. And I think that that is a, where I was talking about a continual improvement. I don't want to be 
you know, satisfied with where I'm at. I want to continue to be pushing the boundaries and learning and growing in other ways. And, you know, I think that trying to share those ideas or mindsets with, with my audience is one of the ways I can do that. Well, I want to say thank you because it is not easy showing up on a public forum and not only the inner journey, but even the very technical journey to get there and combining those two things. And so I just want to acknowledge and validate that your stuff is great. And I think it's having an impact. So thank you for, yeah, thank you. for doing it. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I've, I've tried to show up every day. I don't think I missed a day. Um, and, and, you know, for, for the longest time, because I was, I was anti-phone and, and really, I didn't have any social presence at all up to about mid-October. And so I started mid-October, but I've, I've been consistent every day since then. And now I've been uh, doing a video every day for the past, I don't know, 30 so or, or a little over 30 days um, just to continue that content to share that information. We have a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to the show. Can you speak to how your mindset is helping you do that because that's really challenging for a lot of people showing up publicly every day, 30 days. So what part, what is it in your mindset that is allowing you to do that? Yeah. So I've learned a long time ago that I don't have to be perfect. You know, perfect is, is what people want to be. Purple is a perfect is something that people strive to be. And, and, you know, I talk about this in, in what I'm teaching as well, that people, people say practice makes perfect and that's wrong. And, and I can prove it because have you ever written, written your name before? Yes, of course you've written your name. How many times have you written your name? Oh, thousands of times. Does it look the exact same every single time? No, it doesn't. I mean, would you agree? Does your, does your signature look the same every single time you write it? Yeah, not at all. <laughs> yeah, right. So therefore, practice doesn't make perfect. And, that, and I can further demonstrate that because if you started writing your name and you spelled it incorrectly, you're going to know it incorrectly until you did the work in order to fix it. So perfect is something we can't do. And then, okay, well, then they, they, then perfect practice comes in. Well, okay, but if you can't do it perfect to begin with, then there can be no such thing as perfect practice. Now, that doesn't mean that practice is improper or doesn't help, but practice makes permanent. And with that kind of mindset, I know that I don't have to be perfect. I just have to continue to do things. It doesn't have to be exact, perfect, every single, that's okay. And, and I'm okay with that because if I dwelled on it, if I tried to make it perfect, then I would lose the opportunity to put something out. Something is better than nothing. And if I can do that 0.01% every single day, and if I can get 0.01% better every day, then that's where I want to be at. I don't have to try to shoot for 100% better every day because that's something that I can't do. People can't do it. I don't want it to be such a daunting task that makes the effort of doing it so laborious that I can't show up, I can't do it every day. So I have to know that as I'm doing those things, as I'm putting that content out, I know that it's not perfect, it can't be perfect. And I'm okay with that because I understand that humans can't do hardly anything, if anything, perfectly. I love I that I don't think I've ever heard that before. And, and I'm <laughs> like, my mind is blown. I'm like talking to Yoda, you know, like this is, that's incredible. I've never heard that before. I'm like, but that makes the most, almost like perfection is always on the horizon. We can never reach the horizon. So it's always a goal to keep moving towards. Yes. Yeah. We, we can certainly strive for it, but we have to understand that that's not something that we can actually achieve. Wow. 
Yeah, what I really loved about that comment was I was thinking about it from the other viewpoint that when we're witnessing another person in a business meeting, on a podcast, on a three-second video, we're just witnessing a capture of them. And so often the judgment is we judge them against perfection and we say, oh, well, their voice is weird or they said, um, too many times or they missed. And just how sort of ignorant that judgment is versus coming from a place of realizing we're all on this spectrum. And I happen to get this little clip of them as they're progressing towards perfection. You're right. Absolutely. So, you know, it's not just, I can't show up as perfect, but I have to understand that as I'm watching or, or consuming content or whatever it is that, I can, that, you know, we're watching a movie. How many times, how many takes did that actor had to go through until the actor or to the, to the director finally said, yeah, okay, that's good enough. Let's move on and do the next one. But, uh, lots of times, hardly ever does that happen the first time. And, and if it does, wow, that's amazing. But the opportunity for that to happen over and over and over again is not, it's not sustainable. It might happen every once in a while, but it's not sustainable. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I think that this message is just so key, I think, for everybody, because the culture is such this huge pressure around us to show up perfect. And when we give ourselves permission to not do that, there's so much freedom and creativity. And that's where all the good juicy stuff is, the wisdom. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think along with that is you have to be willing to to, like I said, you have to be willing to fail and then fail and find out what happened. Why did it happen? What can I do to improve and seek questions, seek clarification? What can you do to improve? And then work on those things to actually improve. Yeah. Yeah. I started my journey with social media about a year ago. And the quote that I kept in my head was the best way to get great at something is to fail at it with enthusiasm. And I just went out there every day and it didn't matter if I failed or not, right? Because if I was failing, every step was bringing me, you know, closer to that horizon that we're talking about. And it made it a lot easier. Yes. Yeah. Some movement towards a, towards a goal is, is better than no movement. Yeah. Yeah. So you've obviously been doing martial arts for a long time. I'm curious how old you were when you started and how your relationship with the practice changed over time? Yeah, so I was 11 when I started and I got into martial arts just because I, I, was, I was small for my age. I was picked on a lot and I, I needed really to gain confidence. Not that I needed to go and beat up a bully, but I just needed to have the confidence to show up as, as a confident person because the bullies you know, likely aren't going to target a confident person because they, they don't want to that's a hard target. They want an easy target. So they're going to, you know, pick on somebody who's small and weak and looks small and, and, and acts weak. And so that was the initial thing. But then I learned that not only can I, can I do this as a practice, but then I can do this as a profession. And so I started, like I said, I got, I got a work permit for school when I was 14. So I could start, you know, helping. In fact, I was, I was helping to teach classes before that. I just was there as a, as a, a junior instructor. And then I became an assistant instructor and worked all the way up. Now I'm the head instructor. So definitely the journey for that has changed. And, you know, there's been, there's been times that it is, it is so rewarding to show up to work and see the success of the students. But now I'm at the point where I am training people to do the things that I'm doing so they can go and do that at other schools. So we can have other schools and I start talking about the community to grow that community. And so the, the rewarding part now has been to watching the instructors, the staff that I have that has learned under me and then to do the things that I'm doing 
so they can learn and grow and shape the students, which is that's really rewarding. I love that's, to think of, go ahead. Kate. Oh, sorry. Um, that's what, what I love the most about like this whole conversation is that you you're you're teaching the students the art form, but you're also teaching them almost like on a nonverbal way, um, the mindset, you know, the the acceptance of failure, um, not not reaching for perfection. Um, and and that I think is almost like sort of the foundation, or would you say like the foundation for the art itself? Yeah. So, you know, martial arts by default has those things. And most of the time it is taught in a in a non-communative way. But we have actually went through and, and systematically shared those things with the staff, uh, with the with the students. And so we have um, mantras sort of say that they say that helps to instill those things. And so like one of them is the martial arts philosophy, which is I can always do better than I think I can do. And so they get that so early on. So that is where those things are coming from. And, and you know, there's, the, you know, they have another one's focus my eyes, focus my mind, focus my body, but they get the, all these little things and they're drilling these things. And then not only are they drilling them and doing them, you know, frequently, we tell them why, why are you doing this? What's the benefit? Why is this something that I've chosen for you to, to have to say and repeat over and over again. And so it's not like, you know, go to churches, uh, the, 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 you know, monotone and, and, you know, whatever. They're saying it with vigor and excitement because they understand the benefit for it. And, you know, for the younger students, the, the parents see that, they hear that, they can, oh, that's why, that's why I'm sending my students here. That's why I'm sending my kids here. So it's not by accident they're getting those. It, it's on purpose and, and, and they know it. And I love the, like the repetition of it kind of you're almost like training it into that muscle memory like into the lower you know more ancient parts of the brain it just it reminds me of of like the military training where it was the same thing except on a on a let's go hurt people you know and this is let me control myself let the, the confidence the you know all, all of that stuff um that this wow i'm i'm just like blown away by you man <laughs> It's those things kind of become almost positive affirmations and we're not using positive affirmation as the terminology, but really that's what it is. And, and positive af you know, affirmations in general are so effective and helpful for people and they're getting those and they're maybe not knowing that it's, a, it's an affirmation, but they're using it in the same way and it's working in the same way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love those sorts of things. I still have things that I learned, like songs that I learned as a kid that play in my mind. I'm 44. I go, you know, to do something. And there's this song that I sing as a four-year-old. that's like, I can do anything, <laughs> right? Because it's like you said, it's programmed into my body and I don't even reach for it anymore. It just naturally arises when I come into conflict. How great <laughs> is that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, like you said, it becomes almost part of the, the, the subconscious. Which is which is then you know part of their their basic programming to to be the person that, who they are. Yeah. What I'm thinking of as we're talking with you is just what a beautiful network of lives you've impacted, not only in the direct ways but in the subtle ways of communication and confidence and showing up and how that can affect so many lives. We have no idea the network of, you know, positivity that has come from you and from your classes, but it's really cool to imagine and think about. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. You know, it's cool because every once in a while I'll, I'll 
I get stopped by a, a an old a former student at the grocery store or something, and they you know, they'll tell me how the things that that we did way back when haven't helped them or impacted them or helped them to be the person who they are, which is which is incredibly rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. Is there one thought, like, or one memory that sticks out for you, like, like this is this is the moment of transformation that I'm going to keep with me for the rest of my life, like somebody that you really saw go through that change and and saw the help that that the martial arts uh, gave to them. Yeah, you know, I, of course, I have have had a, a student that was pretty young when they came in. They might have been seven, eight, or so. And this person wasn't definitely not the top of the class, well, actually almost towards the lower end of the class. And they, this, this guy started, this kid's boy started with a, with another kid and that, that boy was at the top of the class. And it was interesting to see the dichotomy between the two, because of course they would, they would overlap, they would talk to each other, but the one person stayed at the top and the other person stayed at the bottom. But even though that, that kid was at the bottom, he continued to show up, he continued to work hard. And he was the person who you would say, okay, hey, do this thing five times. And he would be off in the corner doing his thing and everybody else would be playing a game or having fun doing something. But that kid kept showing up and doing the work and putting the work in. And then, you know, year, almost a year or so later, that top person was still pretty close to the top, if not the top. But the second person was catching up about halfway, you know, mid, mid, mid of the pack, middle of the pack. And then, you know, by the time they got the black belt, well, that person who continued to show up stood in the corner, did the stuff, did the work, put the hard work in over and over and over again, he's surpassed. And it was interesting because it was almost like that hard work what, and that dedication, the discipline that that kid had helped him to become so much better than the other person. I think and it has to stem from that hard work and dedication. And then I guess the flip side of that is the other person had natural talent and natural talent is great, except for when it runs out and it will. And when you don't have the hard work and dedication backing, when that hard work or when that when that natural talent runs out, then you have nothing to fall back on. And that's what happened. It got hard, harder than it should have for that kid because he didn't he didn't know how to practice, didn't know how to put the work in. And so that kid fell back and the other kid was bolstered forward. And, and you know, I can only imagine where, where and what that kid is doing now with that dedication, hard work and discipline that they learned. I love that. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, uh, Bill Nye, the science guy. I saw a clip from him and he was talking about, you know, a, a universe creates galaxies, galaxies create stars, stars create planets. So it's it's this, and the planets, they come together because all the small pieces gravitationally pull. And it's so he was saying, do the small things until those small things become massive. And it seems like this student, like that's exactly what he did. He just stayed with that discipline, with the small thing, accepting the failures, being in the back of the class and not letting that stop him like that. Oh man, that gets me fired up. I mean, the motive that, wow, that is a cool kid right there. <laughs> Agreed. Yes. And how empowering that concept is that we don't need any sort of innate talent to get where we want to go. And it's something we have or don't have but we all have power over how much effort and discipline we put into the things that we want. And that makes it more of an equal playing field than I think sometimes we perceive from the outside that somebody's better than us or more talented than us. But that's not really, like you said, when talent runs out, when the rubber hits the road, that's not really what's going to matter. That's right. Yeah. So small actions repeated every day that lead toward success, not the one-time things. Yeah. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your podcast. 
So tell us sort of the story of how it started and what your relationship with it is, if you're enjoying it. I'd love to hear more about that piece. Yeah, so the podcast is The Prestigious Initiative, which are two very difficult words to say and, and also very difficult to spell, understood, yeah, I know. But I think there's so much in the title of something and The Prestigious Initiative, I think really sets the tone for what it is. And so we talk about things like goal setting and, and habit forming. And lately we've been doing a lot of interviews with, with guests and it's so cool to learn from the things that they're sharing with us and the journeys that they're on. And, you know, after, so the cool thing is what we do is after we have that episode with the guest, they leave, they're done. Me and my co-host, he's taking notes during the episode. And so after the guest is done, we go over the notes on another episode where we talk about how we can apply those things that we learned from the guest to our lives. And so our, our, our followers, the, the listeners can share those things as well. And, you know, I think that the one of the biggest things that I found from doing this podcast is kind of like self self discovery. And I mm -hmm. had some ill formed thoughts on a lot of things, but doing this was really able to uh, come to a better understanding of some things like, you know, goal setting, for example, everybody talks about goal setting, like, oh, you want to set smart goals. Well, to, to be real, smart goals have some failures that are built in there that aren't that, that don't make them so smart. There's some things that they're missing. And so with this, I was able to, after listening to guests, after doing some self-discovery, talking, researching I, from SMART goals, I was able to come up with visionary goals. And if you don't mind, I'll share what that, that acronym is. So vision, uh, vision, uh, visionary goals, V is for visualize success. I is integrate values. S is for set your why. I is for instill affirmations. O is organize daily practices. N is navigate weekly check-ins. A is anticipate obstacles. R is reveal comfort zone stretching. And then Y is adapt to a uh, yield to adaptability. And so those things are kind of, of course, there's some components of it for SMART goals, but really those are built in to visionary goals that like you're, with a goal, you want to visualize what it is like to achieve that thing, right? It's not just, I want to write it down on a page. I want you, you know, there the, was the Harvard study, which uh, from what I understand, maybe isn't as actual, official of a study as it is anyways. But anyways, they say people who write their goals down are 95% more likely to achieve them. Okay, well, you write them down, you put them in a drawer somewhere, you're not going to look at them. Or, okay, then you write them down, you put them on a wall. Well, unfortunately, we all know that that picture on the wall, we don't look at it anymore. You don't look at those big pictures that are in your house anymore. So you put that thing on the wall, it doesn't move. It just becomes a static image that's part of the wall. So that doesn't work either. But if you can visualize it, you can live it, breathe it, smell it, all of the tastes and senses uh, in there, that's so much better. And then we leave out the values. And values are something I have learned that people do not do very good at. People think of... I, I think of values a little bit differently than, than what a normal person is. So people think of values like honesty, integrity, those types of things, but that's not how I go about it. Values for me are the things in life that you value. So you think about all the different hats that you wear on a given day, week, month, year. Okay, I'm a, I'm a father, I'm an I'm a, I'm a instructor, I'm a podcast host, or, you know, what all those things. And so I, I write those all down. Maybe there's eight of them. And then the next step is I want to rank order those. What's, the, what's most important? And then you put them in order. Then you set each of them a why. Why is that most important? And then on top of that, you set an affirmation for each of those values. And then the last step is to set a reminder on your phone, your watch, somewhere in your system for that affirmation to be brought to you when it's most important. 
So for example, I have one that, that tells me every day that I'm at work teaching that I'm the best martial arts instructor in the world. Now, maybe that's not the case. That's okay. But I see that affirmation every day as I start my, my job for teaching. I'm the best martial arts instructor in the world. I get to tick that box and say, okay, yeah, that's me. I get to live that out. And so adding your, your, your values to the goals are something that is often overlooked. And then, of course, you want to set the why. Why is that goal important to you? It's been said that you can bear any how if you have a strong enough why. And if you don't have a good why for achieving that, that goal, then maybe it's not a goal that you want. Maybe it's something that somebody else wants for you. And so that would be an opportunity to self-reflect uh, and see if that's something you actually want. And then affirmations, right? I talked about those. Affirmations are so important and impactful, especially if you can do it for a goal that you want. Have those consistently reoccurring things that you are consistently telling yourself to live into that person who achieves that goal daily practices you see i i don't think of habits like normal people think of habits habits becomes a a magic word that somebody says oh just make a habit for it and then you don't have to think about it well that's not what happens habits you know and of course then they say 21 days to make a habit well that's not how that works either but a habit is something that you have to practice every day it's not going to happen by accident you're you're it's going to accidentally get for, forgotten especially if you think it's a magic thing that just happens accidentally but you have to practice it something you have to daily practice or weekly practice depending and then you want to check in, an opportunity to reflect on your goals. Is this still something I want to achieve? How did I work on achieving this goal this week? Am I moving in the right direction? If not, how can I do that? Anticipate obstacles. Uh, for, so for example, today, my power is out right now. I'm not in my normal podcast studio. I'm out in, in a different different room and I'm on my phone instead of on the microphone. It's, it's all kinds of weird for me right now, but this is an obstacle I had to anticipate and, and, and figure out what to do, not to mention, there was a potential for snow day today. And so if my kids were here, there was another, uh, you know, eventuality that would happen if that was the case. And so anyways, um, uh, thinking about obstacles, not so that when they happen, you can dwell on them and, uh, you know, but you want to expect them before they happen. So you have an opportunity to think, okay, if this happens, I'm going to try this or this or that. And maybe those things don't work at all, but at least you have the opportunity to think about those before they happen. Comfort zone. Everybody lives inside the comfort zone. We talked about being on the phone all the time. Everybody, that's their comfort zone. They don't want to look up at society. They don't want to see what's going on around them. They want to live inside that phone. If they can, if they can, they climb inside that thing just so they can be there all the time. But to be outside the comfort zone, which is tough, nobody wants that. That's hard. It's tough to do. But if you can stretch your comfort zone, oh my gosh, it'll be so much better. And then the last one is yield to adaptability. You want to be adaptable in your goals. If it's not something you actually want to achieve, move, do something different, right? Be adaptable in your approach to this. It's so important. Sorry, I went on, off on a tangent there. Uh, goals is something I, I talk about a lot. And it's it's near and dear. I I could have list. I felt I felt like I I I need to pay you for what you just like that <laughs> that was incredible. And I'm going to study this thing. <laughs> and and wow is all I can say. That was one of the best things I have heard in a long time, man. Well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, beautifully put together. I mean, I feel like you echo a lot of the same things that I think and believe. I also have a little like about smart goals, <laughs> but the way that you put it together with that word, like everything's very succinct and beautiful. And we're definitely typing that up for the show notes. <laughs> yes. That's great. So thank you very much for sharing that. That was awesome. My pleasure. My pleasure. So Keith, before we go into our shameless self-promotion and our silly question, do you have anything else you want to explore with Chris? Uh, I am, I am like seriously just 
blown away. Um, I, I feel like I've, I've been through a, a college class, you know, um, and, and it, it was so funny because last night, you know, just how things kind of come together when they need to last night, I was kind of beating myself up. I wasn't happy with the progress I was making with some certain things and everything. And then you come on and, and literally just sort of soothe all of that and say, you know what? Yes, I might not have made the progress, but that's exactly where I need to be right now. Um, so from the bottom of my heart, thank you for sort sort of fanning the flames of my own hope and my own passions. Um, and if I can ask kind of a question off off topic, um, as a martial artist, my biggest question would be uh, Bruce Lee or Chuck Norris. Well, so that's a that's a. Uh, small backstory. I was able to go to Las Vegas, which I could tell you the year. I couldn't tell you the year, but uh, when Chuck Norris received his Lifetime Achievement Award for from Black Belt Magazine, and, and I was able to be there and see him. And I, I, I wish I could say Bruce Lee, but I, I would have to say Chuck Norris only because I was able to be there and see him. And you know, it's so interesting because at the time Chuck Norris jokes were, were wildly popular, and so he was up on stage and they're telling Chuck Norris jokes was really kind of interesting and he got to tell us his favorite one i wish i could tell you which which one that was i sorry uh it's been so long ago but the the thing that sticks out the most for me is he had a bodyguard and i can't imagine that bodyguard was there to protect us or not protect him from us but rather to protect us from him and the things that he <laughs> yes. could do so <laughs> uh that was that was really that was really cool that's awesome <laughs> yeah i bet it was really great to just some people hold big energy and you can't experience their energy without seeing them in person. So that was a real gift. I bet that was very cool. Well, and, and so to, to further the backstory a little bit, him and I started in the same art. So he did Tung Sudo. He eventually created his own art, but he started in Tung Sudo and that's the art that, that, that I started with as well. It's what I teach now. And so there's more to that, but on top of that, he, he teaches Christian martial arts and I also teach at a Christian martial arts school. And so there's lots of overlap and the things that he's done in the community for the martial arts, but also for um, just the community that he lives in and, and helping other people, I think is, is definitely something to, to strive for. And I, I really admire that for him. And unfortunately, I'm sure Bruce Lee would have been on the same way, but he, he just didn't have the opportunity to do that as he was cut yeah. down. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. So Keith and I really believe in this thrive and help thrive philosophy, right? That that's the way of the future. And so we like to give our guests at the end a chance to shamelessly self-promote if there's anything that you want to say or list or tell our audience before we wrap it up. Yeah, so I mean, we already talked about the prestigious initiative. You can find you know all the podcasts there. We've had 50, 60, 60. I don't know. We've recorded so many of them. They're not all up yet. So I think we're around about 55, I think has been, has been released already. Um, so you can find those on, on anywhere, anywhere podcasts are. And then you can find me specifically at Chris Bean official. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Instagram threads and TikTok. Awesome. So we like to end with a silly question for all our guests. My question to you is, have you ever had a stuffed animal that you really, really loved or do you currently? And can you tell us a little bit about that stuffed animal? Uh, unfortunately, I, I can't remember if I've had any 
stuffed animal and uh i certainly don't have a stuffed animal now (laughs) (laughs) you'd be surprised some adults do and it's being embraced Mm -hmm. more so whatever works (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah I'm, not 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 for me <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna send you one man i'm gonna send you a, a stuffed uh, <laughs> uh chuck norris uh teddy bear or something <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for your time today we really enjoyed having you on the show it was awesome my pleasure thanks for having me thank you so yeah so much man thank you for listening to the chasing thoughts podcast Please support us by liking, subscribing, or leaving a review or comment. We would really appreciate it. If you'd like to be a guest, we would love to explore life and what it means to be human with you. Please email us at chasingthoughtspodcast at gmail.com.